Welcome to the Palm Harvest Podcast. We are a community in Costa Mesa, California. To know more about us, visit our website, palmharvest.com. To follow along with today's message, download the Palm Harvest app and click on Sermon Notes. Thank you for listening. Well, hello everyone, I'm Mike Decker and welcome to my backyard here in Costa Mesa, wherever you might be tuning in from. Super glad that you're here. As many of you know, we are now in this week, like three or four of this conversation on the theme called Restore, R-E-S-T-O-R-E, Restore. And the idea that we're going to talk about today, sort of the theme, uh, is along the lines of generosity. So say that word with me, generosity. What comes to your mind when you hear that word generosity? Do you think of a person? Do you think maybe of an experience that you've had? Maybe you've had someone in your life invest in you. That's who comes to my mind, your mind. You know, when I hear the word generosity, the first thing that pops into my brain is my dad and my granddad, my grandpa Decker, who were both very extremely generous men. I've shared stories with you before how both uh, men were really role models for me and both men, in my experience, shared their, their stuff with people with no strings attached. I can remember when I was in high school having a conversation with my dad one day and we were talking about uh, a guy, he was telling me about this experience that he had had with this this man that he had lent, he had borrowed a thousand dollars to. And I said, well, dad, when is, when's he gonna pay you back? And he said, Mike, as he kind of looked over at me, I was riding shotgun, you know, in, in the front seat of the car, he kind of looked over at me and he said, I'm not sure that he's ever gonna pay me back. Um, and I said, well, why, Dad, why would you give him the money? And, and his response was, because it was the right thing to do. Because it was the right thing to do. I, I knew I needed to help him. Generosity. So my question for you to think about today is, you know, what does generosity look like? I want you to keep that in your mind because the big idea of our conversation today during this this talk is this. If you're taking notes with your Palm Harvest app, write this down and that is, my circumstances don't have to limit my generosity. Your circumstances, my circumstances don't have to limit our generosity. You know, just because I might be in a hard place does not mean that I can't look out for other people. Just because you or I might be in a situation that might be considered less than ideal does not mean that you or I can't promote the well-being of another. My circumstances don't have to limit my generosity. So that's the big idea that we're going to look for and talk about today. Now the foundation for our story, as most of you know, this, this, this series that we're in is found in the book of 2 Kings chapter 12. And so if you have a Bible like this in paper form or perhaps in, in digital on your app, I invite you to turn to the book of 2, Sam, 2 Kings chapter 5. 
Now, as we've talked previously, 2 Kings is the 12th book from the beginning of your Bible, so it's super easy to find. Just go to the very beginning and go to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, which is where I'm at here, 2 Samuel, and then you have 1 Kings, and I want you to go to 2 Kings chapter 5. Now here in, in, in 2 Kings, if you've been with us and me up to this point, you know that we're looking at the story of one guy by the name of Naaman. Now Naaman, the Bible tells us, which we're going to read here in a moment, is, is a military commander. He's basically at the top of the leadership food chain within the, the king kingdom uh, of the Arameans. He is a uh, likely well-known among the, the, the nation's people. And you would think that, and for the most part, everything pretty much goes Na Naaman's way except for one thing. Naaman had one thorn, what we would call one thorn in the flesh. Do you remember what it was? We're about to read it. And basically what his thorn was, was he had a skin disease. He had what, in common terms, and what the Bible says here, he had leprosy. And so, 2 Kings chapter 5 unpacks this story basically of Naaman's pursuit to get healed, to basically experience restoration physically. Okay, so with that backdrop in mind, pick up, let's pick up the story at verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 5. Picture the scene in your mind, and this is what we read. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Well, go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. And the letter to the king of Israel said, With this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. Now join me for a quick prayer, and then we're going to dig in. Our Father in heaven, Lord Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit, we pray that as we gather together today to look at this story of Naaman, we pray that you will teach us something new that we can apply in our own lives. So we offer you our mind, we offer you our heart, we offer you our ears. Help us to hear and to listen to what you want to say. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Awesome. Well, as most of you know, as we have previously discussed, and for those of you who are you know, familiar with the rules of war, you know that generally when a, a military army will invade another land and go into battle, the reward for victory on the battlefield would be called what we call plunder, right? It's, it's the opportunity to kind of, kind of loot the, 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 the countryside of the people that, that you have just defeated. Well, in Middle Eastern regions, uh, and really during the time of the Bible, when you read the stories of the Bible, winning armies would often carry back to their homeland herds of livestock consisting of sheep and cattle and, and camels, because camels were a big deal in the Middle East. 
you know, articles uh, of clothing, ornate uh, articles of clothing, and probably expensive jewelry would be things that, 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 that the soldiers would, would look out for, any kind of money that they could find that they could bring back with them. As well as, one of the things that we read here is apparently they would even bring back people. And we read here in verse chapter 2, verse chapter 2 that, um, chapter 5, verse 2, that part of the loot that they bring back from uh, Samaria, from Israel, where they had been, you know, battling, was this young uh, Israeli, Israeli slave. And so we're told here in verse 2 that this, this young girl is given to Naaman's wife, who's the military commander, to serve as, as a maid for uh, his name, Naaman's wife. Now I want you to notice that while in the context of her day, while in the company of Naaman's wife, we read that this young Israeli girl here in verse 3 makes this suggestion. She basically just says, I wish my master would seek out the prophet in Samaria. Right? I wish my master would go and, and seek out the prophet in Samaria and, and have him be healed so he could be healed of his leprosy. Now, brothers and sisters, I, wanna, I, I want you to sit and I want you to simmer on her comment and don't miss the importance of her suggestion. I want to propose to you that in this young girl's suggestion, there are several things that we can um, take from that. What are they? Well, one of the first things that we can see in this young girl is the truth that she had some faith, that she believed really in the healing, restorative touch of God, which is why she um, wanted this Naaman to go back and to have a conversation, so to speak, with, with the prophet. So think, put on your, your, you know, your, your, your hats here, your, your intellectual hats. What role did a prophet generally fulfill within a community, particularly in Bible times? Well, we know uh, when you study history that prophets were considered to be spokesmen. They would be representatives of God. We know in many cases that prophets would, some, would serve as judges uh, be to, to help determine between right and wrong within a community. And again, as, as I've already alluded to and mentioned, they were an ambassador for whom? They were an ambassador, a spokesperson for God. And so this, as a result of this young girl, she, she makes this, this uh, acknowledgement that there was this prophet back in her homeland, so to speak, who, who uh, represents God. Now we're going to talk later in future on in this series about the prophet Elisha. But for now, what I want you to, to, to know is that this young girl had obviously heard stories about him. Right? Maybe she her, him, herself had witnessed some of his amazing miracles because when you read his life, he was a guy who did these amazing, demonstrative, big league kind of miracles. And the point that I want you to grasp is, is that this young Israeli girl believed that God could heal Naaman of his leprosy. And so in this simple comment to her to her mistress to this to Naaman's wife we see that this we see this girl's faith a second thing that captures my attention and maybe it does for you too is the response that this girl receives from Naaman and his wife now this is obviously to me when i read this story it it, it appears that in Naaman's household that there's an interaction between the staff 
and, and masters. This is a home where the staff talk. This is not one-sided. This is not one-directional. This is not Naaman and his wife kind of giving orders without a response from the people who are in their, um, their, their home, so to speak. Rather, this is an environment where the staff, they interact with each other, right? There's this, there's this give and take. There's this, this back and forth. And, and, and so in, in my thinking, this is a household that really even fostered, which is super amazing to think, that this was a household that even fostered uh, an environment where the servant, ser servants felt secure enough to, to offer their opinion. I mean, even about something as sensitive as Naaman's health, her, their master's health. Now, I don't think it's a stretch for us to suggest that Naaman's wife and this girl had a relationship. In fact, I think their relationship was more than, like I mentioned already, was just one woman telling another woman, you know, what to do. You know, and, and, and the reason I, I say that is, well, let me give you an example. I want you to personally think about your own work experience, okay? You know, have you ever worked in a, for a tyrannical boss, you know, for a, mo a boss that was, you know, heavy handed? You know, have you ever served in an, an environment where it was not safe for you to share your opinion? Where it was, where it was dangerous almost to disagree and to, to push back against your supervisors? Well, if you have, then, then I suspect you can likely identify with this young girl because this is clearly not that kind of an environment that we see described here. Because not only does this young slave girl share her opinion with her slave uh, owner boss lady, but we also can receive how her comment is received. How do we know that? Well, it's, we know that because we're told that Naaman, he acts on this information, doesn't he? We're told that Naaman takes this information from this young slave girl and he goes to the king of Aaron, the guy who's at the top of the food chain in that country. And so obviously, they take very seriously this girl's comment. Uh, perhaps, maybe even a respectful uh, interchange between the two. But I think even more than that, there's a third observation that I have when I consider Naaman's reaction or action of taking this young girl's suggestion to the king. Do you, can you identify it? I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Naaman and his wife, okay? If you were them, what would motivate you to consider this girl's comment? You know, what can we see illustrated here in Naaman and his, his wife's actions? Well, do you know what I see? I see desperation. I see a couple, a couple who wants to experience a miracle in their life. I see a husband and wife who are concerned about one's mate, a Naaman in this case, to be healed. In fact, we even can see a, a, a king who shares that same concern. You know, I wonder how many other options Naaman and his wife had pre previously tried. You know, I, I wonder how many other doctors and specialists they had 
previously visited. Think about this. This is the master commander of the kingdom. Certainly he's not a guy who is a lack for, 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 for means. I suspect he's probably well connected. He's a guy who we know gets things done because the, the, king, the Bible says the king is, was, is very um, happy about him because of these great victories that he, he brings to the kingdom. Naaman is what we would call in, in our day and age a mover and a shaker. And so when I, when I consider all of that, it, at least from, through my lens, it appears that Naaman and his wife, understandably, are desperate for a healing. They are hungry for a solution. So come on now, put yourself in, in their situation. What I'm suggesting here is, I don't think is a stretch, nor do I think it's biblical heresy. Now, full disclosure, you know, for this series, I, I'm definitely peeking around the corner and, and trying to get a, you know, a better lens on kind of what it's going on here. But, but clearly, Naaman did not trivialize this girl's suggestion, did he? Which, to me, illustrates his desire to be healed. So here's a question for you. Anybody tuning in today who's experienced cancer in their life? Anybody tuning in today who maybe has struggled with some kind of debilitating disease? If you have, then you can likely re relate to Naaman and his wife's pursuit for a cure. I mean, just bring it to today's conversation. You know, we've been in this COVID season where, you know, people are wearing masks and people are socially distancing. I some of you, many of you probably have gone to great lengths and taken tremendous precautions uh, in practicing with perhaps aging, aging parents. You know, out of a concern for their, their health and well-being, out of a concern for maybe I don't want to get my, my parents sick, you have gone to lengths to ensure that, that they stay healthy. And so for me, I'm just, I, I use these illustrations to place myself into this, this story and to suggest that Naaman and his wife are, are, are seeking out a miracle. And so it's with this one simple suggestion by this slave girl that it's enough to, for them to put a plan of action into motion. Now here's where I, where I want you to sink your, your teeth in today as we look at this story. How did this young Israeli girl this is really the crux of what I want you to think about today. How did this young Israeli slave girl keep her heart soft, even though she herself were a victim? I mean, think about this. If you had information that could help somebody who had maybe previously harmed you, or brought harm into your life or to someone that you love, how eager would you be to share that information in order to benefit this perpetrator? You know, if you're like me, probably not so much. And so a question that pops into my head is, who taught this young Israeli slave girl to be so kind and forgiving? You know, from whom did she learn the value and the importance of of turning the other cheek. You know, think about everything that this young girl had to endure leading up to this point. She was stolen from her, her homeland, right? Torn away from her family, her mom, her dad, her grandmom, her granddad. 
I don't know if she had brothers or sisters or, or friends. Certainly she did, her neighbors. Think about what she had to endure to be taken, stripped away from the land of Samaria now to the land of the Arameans. You know, her entire world was likely turned upside down. Were her parents killed when the Aramean, Aramean raiders came into their land? You know, did she witness violence among those who she loved as a result of the plundering and the conflict from these raiders? Even personally, what evils may she have had to have endured? Now, those are all good questions, but the Bible doesn't tell us what, what, what sort of the circumstances, but what the Bible does say. And what the Bible does impress upon us as readers is that in spite of her circumstance, she still, she still offered her captors the best. She held nothing back. And in my thinking, she was a superstar. This made her a superstar. My neighbors are pretty loud. <laughs> I'm loud too tonight. Listen, I want to suggest to you that this girl's faith in God empowered her to practice kindness. I want to suggest to you this evening, as I sit here in my backyard, that this woman's faith is what allowed her to look out for her master's best interest, even though he certainly didn't deserve it. And what we see here on display here is I think a picture of what God our Heavenly Father does for you and for me. You know, here in the story we see in this young girl's actions what God does, how He offers you and me grace. How God our Heavenly Father offers you and me and extends to you and me forgiveness. How God offers to us His generosity. You know, this, when this young girl, slave girl, suggests to Naaman to go see the prophet in Samaria, what we see here is a glimpse of her faith. And maybe the best part of what we see here in, in her suggestion is her conviction, don't miss this, her conviction that lo God loves and cares for the worst of sinners. Not just Naaman. I'm not just talking about Naaman, this military commander of Aram. I'm also talking about you, and I'm talking about me. God loves you, and God loves me. You know what we call that in Christian circles? <laughs> Good news. In fact, if you're with somebody, whether you're in your car or on your couch, turn to them right now and say, that's good news. You know, in spite of her slavery, in spite of her less than ideal circumstance, she still practices generosity. And friends, the message of the story, the message that I want you to hear today is that with God's help, you and I too can be extenders of generosity. Friends, I want to submit to you that if life has not gone as well as you have hoped, that you can still make a difference. If life has not been as easy, in fact, if life has been less than easy, if your story has been one struggle after another struggle after another struggle, I want to suggest to you that you and I both have a choice how we're going to live today. Do we not? You know, last week we talked about how our response to pain is a choice. And, and for this young Israeli girl, what do we see her choosing? We see her choosing 
kindness and generosity and forgiveness. And the message for me in this story is that with God's help, so too can you and I exemplify and follow her example. So let's bring this message home. I want you to think about this hard question. Have you ever been wronged by another person? Have you ever been violated by someone? If so, this is a tough one, have you chosen to forgive? And if not, will you consider doing so? What information might you have that could benefit another person? You know, how might your faith be an encouragement to someone who maybe doesn't have a whole lot of faith right now in their life? You know, the big idea of the conversation here in these first five verses is the truth that my circumstances don't have to limit my generosity. Your circumstances, good or bad, hard or easy, don't have to limit, don't have to cap your generosity. Church, when I surveyed the landscape of the society that we are living in right now, people I submit are desperate for hope. You know, the, it's just, it's like our world is so divisive, it almost sickens me. I don't even want to turn on the television news anymore or venture even into social media platforms because people are mean and people are nasty. Brothers and sisters, don't be mean and nasty. Please, there's enough of, of that going on around your life and mine. You know, why do we have so little space right now for people, especially with those who have a, a different opinion than ours? Again, when I survey the landscape of our world, what I see is a need for hope. Listen, your world and the people in your grid, they need encouragement. And so my question for you and my question for myself is, will you be and will I be someone today? Will we choose today generosity? Will we choose to live our life this coming week with a loose grip and to offer to people grace and, and, and charity with liberality? You know, will you extend to people your very best, even if that person is your adversary? I know I talk about that a lot, and I know it's not easy, but friends, with God's help, we can do it. You know, if you, if you read on in, in this Bible story, you will read later how Naaman, in fact, gets healed. All because of his willingness to listen to this slave girl's suggestion and to pursue a meeting with the prophet Elisha. And what I want to emphasize as I wrap this up is that because of this young girl's willingness to be generous with information, and in part because of Naaman's humility and willingness to listen to her, what we see in this story is how Naaman experiences restoration in his life. God heals him from his leprosy. So here's my final point. Here, Here's really what I want you to walk away with. And that is the understanding that this young slave girl was a conduit through which God worked. She was a conduit who God used to influence. 
She was an agent through which a man, as we see here, a, a community leader, experienced God's touch on his life. She was God's tool for restoration. And brothers and sisters, I submit to you today that you can be this girl. I can be this girl. And with God's help, we can choose generosity. Our circumstances don't have to limit us. And so brothers and sisters, I implore you again, will you consider being helpful this week? When you wake up in the morning, would you just say, Lord, help me to say no to bitterness, <laughs> right? And yes to love. Is that always easy? Is that natural to do? And everybody said, no. But with God's help, we can. So let's close in prayer. Let's wrap things up. I invite you to put your hands open, your heart open, your mind open. And uh, just pray this prayer in your heart. Just say, dear Jesus, first and foremost, dear Jesus, please help me to forgive those who have wronged me. Jesus, please help me to forgive those who have wronged me. And Jesus, please help me to extend kindness to those in my world. God, please give me strength to love. Please give me a willingness and an increased capacity to forgive. And God, we pray that you would give us the courage this week to practice and extend generosity. God, we ask that you would use us to be your vessel, to be your conduit through which you bring restoration to people. Finally, there's one more thing. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, will you do that right now? Super simple, super easy, but super impactful. All you have to say is, Jesus, as much as I know now, I'm gonna give you my heart. And I'm asking you today to forgive me. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for believing me. And today, God, I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life. Amen. Friends, when you and I daily, whether we give our heart to Jesus for the first time or repeatedly, when as we every morning we wake up and we give God permission to transform us into the person that he wants us to be, we will be people. You will be someone who practice generosity. And it's through that generosity that God will touch people's lives. So touch people's lives this week. I can't wait to hear the story. Thanks for joining me here in my backyard. I'll see you soon. God bless.
Thank you for listening to the Palm Harvest podcast. We would love to get to know you. So download the Palm Harvest app for free and fill out our connection card. Your continued support helps us spread hope around the world. You can also give in our app and find out more about our community.